It's marked on our calendars. Our kids keep marking the days off, how many days we're getting to Christmas. And so we're watching closely, intently. Why? Because they're waiting for Santa Claus to come. Now, years ago, I got in trouble. I let people know, and let me tell you what happened. Our oldest son, Taylor, he said he wanted some, something around the holidays. And I said, well, you need to just pray and ask Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Maybe he'll give you the money to buy that. He goes, never mind. I'll just tell Santa Claus. It didn't strike me very well that he had more faith in Santa Claus than he had with Jesus. And I let him know right then and there, there is no Santa. I'm your Santa. Okay. I said that one day, and one of the kids in church got their parents afterwards and said something to him about, you've been lying to me. I'm sorry if I busted that bubble. Just Jaden, there is no Santa Claus. So I just let you know. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Christmas is the day that we set aside to acknowledge and celebrate the miraculous birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. How many saved here today? Praise the Lord. For many, give him a big hand. Give him a big hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For many, it's a day filled with an overabundance of traditions. We have traditions we do at our House, usually the biggest one is just try to get everybody up, but then you start into tr traditions. It's a time when we break away from the hustle and the bustle of everyday living and spend time with those we love, friends and family. But most importantly, it's a day and a time to give thanks to our Heavenly Father for His gift of love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, salvation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Of all the gifts anyone can ever receive, there's none other that compared to God's gift to mankind. His only begotten Son, Jesus, He's truly the reason for the season. I, wanted, I don't ever want to lose focus on the fact that Jesus, Jesus is the reason for the season. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many know that you have an enemy of your soul. You do. The Bible says it in John 10.10, 10, the thief. The thief. That's your enemy right now. The thief. Satan. Does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus today. I mentioned that we all have an overwhelming abundance of, uh, of traditions. One of my favorite things to do during the holiday seasons, and it's really funny that my brother just mentioned it, is Christmas movies. It's a Wonderful Life is not one of my favorites. It's black and white. It's gray. I asked my mom and dad, I said, do you remember them days when everybody was just gray and they didn't have any color? They don't think that's funny. I don't like all of them, but I had my favorites. In my sermon today, I've got a theme song that's going to go with it. Boys, if you hit my theme song, just give me a little bit of it. That's enough. Good job. Does anybody know what that's from? Shelly's favorite movie. 
The one movie I liked and I watched when I was growing up was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The Grinch's goal was to steal Christmas. How many know your enemy's goal is to steal Christ from you? That's his goal, to steal Christ out of our life. How? By tricking, by deceiving, by lying, by convincing believers that unforgiveness is okay. Pastor, you're back to that. You've spun the Rolodex and got back to unforgiveness. How in the world does that happen? And everybody that's heard me preach on unforgiveness is lapping their heads. I was like, we've heard it before, Pastor. The devil attacks in many ways, and one of them is through grudges, unforgiveness, and bitterness. If you'd stand with me, I want to read you my text. I'm in the New King James Version, Luke chapter 17, verse number 1. Very familiar scripture. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Verse number three says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, what are you supposed to do? You shall forgive him. And here's the funny part. The next verse, five. And the apostles said to the, to, to the Lord, increase our faith. God, I, I got to forgive him again. I'm going to have to have more faith for this. I, I can't do this again. God, do you see this dude? Do you see this gal? Do you see this person I'm living with? God, increase my faith. you see my wife right now? Matthew 18, 21 says this. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? What a question. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times. Seven. Seventy times seven. That's a lot. That's, what is it? 490? I didn't have my calculator, but I, I didn't bother checking that out. That's a lot to forgive. Somebody's saying, why do you need a calculator? That's an easy one. I want to preach for a few moments with the subject, how the grudge can steal Christmas. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now for your spirit that you've been here already today. God, I'm asking you to rest on my shoulders, rest in my body, Father, rest on my tongue, that I'll speak the words that you've ordained for today. Open our eyes and our ears that we can see and to hear what you'd have to say to us today, Father. And I ask you, Lord, right now, Lord, you save souls. You fill believers with the Holy Ghost. And miraculous healings take place, Lord, after hearing your word. It's going down into fertile soil, Lord. Let this seed of the word grow inside of us today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. 
So many people feel like they can live on their own and live their lives the way they see fit. And, and guess what? They're right. You can. Each of us can live however we want. But unfortunately, sometimes we live our life that's uh, like we're immune to the Word of God. Right? The Word of God's there to direct our paths, right? To light the way. But there's consequences for living your, your life your own way instead of God's way. I'm going to try to hurry through this. I have a lot to say today. Most people think that once they give their heart to God that everything's over. I got saved. What else could there be? That's the end result. I bought fire insurance. I don't have to go to hell and burn up. I, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven now. Can I tell you that salvation is just the beginning? Jesus come to earth. He was a servant, was he not? Did he not wash the disciples' feet? And Peter's over there, you're not washing my feet. He said, if you're going to have any part of me, you're going to be, let me do this for you because I'm a servant. When you get saved, all you are now, you, yes, you're, you're, you have fire insurance, but now you're his servant. You're not only his child, you're his servant. You want to do his will. You want to do his ways. Sadly, people continue living their lives in the way they want without letting God lead and guide them. Even after salvation, Psalms 81 and 11 says, but my people would not heed my voice. My people won't hear my voice. My people won't listen to me. And Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Proverbs 19 and 3 says, the foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. Now, you know I like God's word translation out of that, so I had to bring this into it. Proverbs 19 and 3, God's word says, The stupidity of a person turns his life upside down. Sometimes we just need to hear it plain. The stupid things we do turns our life upside down. Stupidity. And his heart rages against the Lord. God gave us his word, amen? I said it all the time when I was a youth pastor. Do you believe this book is God's holy word? Is it still true today? Then we still need to live by it. Can I say it here an amen? I'll say an amen too. Amen. Good preaching. That's good. God gave us his word so we can have an understanding of who he is and how he wants us to live. But we, we play a part of the foolish man and refuse to listen to his voice while our heart is angry at God. My, my. So God says, I gave them over to their own stubborn way. I want you to know that God still speaks through his word and through his servants. Can I hear an amen? If you'll read his word, it is alive. It's going to come alive to you. It's going to give you revelation. It's going to speak to your heart. But guess what? He also sends a shepherd. He also sends pastors and teachers to minister into your life. We have to open ourselves up and let us be fed. You know what? You can't make people eat. I made some of our kids eat. They had it all over their face, trying to get that last spoonful of baby food in there. All over the place. Sometimes that's the way I feel like a pastor. I'm trying to give it to you. It's a rubber spoon to eat it. <laughs> it's God's word. When a pastor stands behind this sacred desk, he's speaking what God's inspired in his heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You cannot be in constant disagreement with someone and still be in a loving relationship. That's a drop-the-mic moment right there. I'll read it again because I thought it was so good. I didn't get this out of a book. I didn't read it. It just come to me. 
you cannot be in, con uh, in consistent disagreement, constant disagreement with someone and still be in loving relationship. It ain't going to work. Now, you're thinking your husband, your wife, your boyfriend. Your I'm talking about your relationship with God. You can't be in disagreement with God and continue to have that loving relationship. He still loves you, but you're proving you don't love him. Pastor, this is hard on the Sunday before Christmas. I thought he was passing out candy canes and sugar plums. and We have empty boxes wrapped over here if you want to try one. There has to be a time where you agree with each other if that relationship is going to be productive. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it doesn't matter if you disagree with God or his word. To be in right relationship with him, we have to submit to God and his will and his way. Can I hear an amen? amen? Today, I would love to give a word that excites the saints of God and makes us want to love everyone. I, you know, I'd love just to lift your spirits up today and everybody just go out here floating on cloud nine. But this is what the Lord gave me. The word of God is loving no matter what the subject is taken from the scriptures. God loves us, and that love sometimes is shown through some tough subjects. But what a better season than experience forgiveness. Forgiveness. Make relationships right. Amen? How many know that people hurt other people? It's a fact that hurt people hurt people. They're doing what's been done to them. Unless God intervenes, it's a cycle that will continue and continue and continue. The hurts we experience, whether it's from life circumstances or other people, can rob us from our relationship with Christ. The title of my sermon is How the Grudge Can Steal Christmas. I know it's a play on the movie. Christmas is what we call the day of Christ's birth. So if you hear me talking about stealing Christmas, I'm really talking about stealing Christ today. The enemy wants to steal Christ from you today. Oh, I didn't even see their picture. Kind of looks like me. Dr. Google says the meaning of the word grudge is this. Listen, listen closely. A persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from past insult or injury. How many's ever been injured? How many's ever been insulted? Today, when you got dressed, you look terrible in that. No. Here's some similar words. Resentment, bitterness, displeasure, dissatisfaction, disgruntlement, bad feelings, hard feelings, ill feelings, ill will, venom, hate, hatred, dislike, animosity, or chip on someone's shoulder. A grudge. I want you to notice the word bitterness was involved with the word grudge. I looked up bitterness too. And guess what other word was involved with bitterness? A grudge. A grudge. In the cartoon, the Grinch is a bitter, grouchy creature with, the, with a heart that's two sizes too small. Living in a cave on Mount Crumpet, a steep mountain just north of Whoville. Home of the cheerful and warm-hearted Who's. He's annoyed by the noisy Christmas festivals and the festivities that take place in Whoville. He decides to disguise himself as Santa Claus and travel down the mountain on a sleigh with his dog, anyone? Max, to stop Christmas from coming. 
That's what the Grinch was trying to do. Do you know that Satan works the same way? He works the same way. He doesn't want you to hear, he doesn't want to hear you praising God. Too much noise down there in Whoville. Satan's saying, too much noise there at TFT. I want to shut their mouths. I don't want to hear the praises to God. I don't want to hear their worship to God. I want to shut their mouths. I want to steal Christmas from them. Lord, help us. He doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be like he is, miserable. Much like the Grinch, he devises a plan to steal Christ from our lives through any avenue possible. One of the most common ways he does this sneaky thievery is through offense, unforgiveness, grudges, and bitterness. If Satan can plant a seed of unforgiveness in our heart, that's exactly what he will do. Because it's going to gnaw at you. Oh, saying it's going to get in your craw. I don't know if you know what a craw is, but it's going to get under your skin. And after a while, it doesn't matter how pretty they look how nice they are to you, no matter what they do for you, you're still upset at them. I don't like them. Who, people? <laughs> He's the instigator of offense. And if possible, he wants to steal Christ from you. He wants to place something in your heart that can keep you going back, that you keep going back to that same spot in your heart that something's not right, that brings up old feelings of offense. And from there it grows into a grudge, unforgiveness, and bitterness. After a while, we begin to wonder how the grudge stole Christmas, how the grudge stole Christ. How our happiness is no longer there. How, how, you know, we used to love going to church. We used to love worshiping God, but all of a sudden, it's not there anymore. God help us. I just have a few points and I'm going to be done. My first point is there's always something that has caused grudges and bitterness. How many know that bad things happen to good people? I want you to be completely uh, aware and, and, and know that I'm aware. And I want you to understand that I know that there's things that happened in your life that you did not deserve. People... And things were said and done to you that you did not deserve. I've experienced it. But that doesn't mean or give me an excuse to not forgive. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. <laughs> speak to us, Father. Speak to our hearts. Go down deep, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The word bitterness comes from a Greek word which means to wound by piercing. To wound by piercing. Life has many privileges and blessings, but then there are bitter experiences or wounds that happen to our hearts. <laughs> you just have to forgive me, Brother Jerry. There are persecutions, people's unfaithfulness, heartaches and tears that come to those who try to love and to serve God. Well, without the work of God's grace, God's grace, it's amazing grace. It has to be through His grace. 
His grace, without the work of His grace, we can easily become victims of this terrible plague called a grudge, unforgiveness, or bitterness. Grudges and bitterness take root in the heart that refuses to forgive. Probably the most important line I put in my sermon. Grudges and bitterness take root in a heart that refuses to forgive. (laughs) Then all of a sudden our heart actually starts embracing the grudge. It tolerates our pride. And we wallow in our self-pity. God helps. I told you I wanted to preach a cloud nine sermon, but this is what the Lord gave me. If you're listening to me right now, and I know you are. This is a word from the Lord. It's for you today. If you're watching on Facebook, this is for you today. Don't think you stumbled onto our website, onto our Facebook site. This is for you today. Number two, there is a character. There is the character of grudges and bitterness. God's word likens bitterness to a root that is hidden under the surface but suddenly grows up to show its ugliness. This is the nature of bitterness. This is the nature. And let me say this. If you're not dealing with this right now, guess what? The devil's going to attack you with this, so you need to be aware of what's going on. It grows quietly in the wounded heart undetected. It reminds me when the bitter waters of Israel, the the, the Israelites drunk it at Marah. No one knew they were bitter waters until they drunk it, right? Holding a grudge or being bitter is a choice. It's a decision not to respond to the situation through God's grace. It's a decision not to forgive. You go to church, you smile, but deep in your heart you have a grudge that you're holding and a root of bitterness that's draining your spiritual strength and it's hardening your heart. God help us. God help us. Proverbs 14 and 10 says, The heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. Number three, there are consequences for holding grudges and bitterness. How many know that? There is. When you're holding a grudge or bitterness, it troubles you. A lot of people think, well, nobody will know it. They don't know what's in my heart. They, don't, they can't understand that. We can see it. I can see when something bothering my wife. And I'm, I, I'm just not that, uh, what do they call the observant? But I can still see when something's bothering her. We can see it. You can see when something's bothering me. I wonder what's bothering Pastor today. It's tears, and I can't see through these glasses, and they're fogging. That's what's bothering me right now. Grudges and bitterness bring sorrow. It brings depression. It brings anger into a person's life. In the case of Esau, it drove him into a life of sin and immorality. Hebrews 12 12 and 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this may become defiled, defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Wow. Pastor, I would never sell my birthright. I would never do that. You're not talking to me today. I would never do that. 
We may not be selling our earthly birthright, but too many people are selling their spiritual birthrights. How? By not obeying God's word. Boy, that's simple. That's, that's, that's real simple right there. Listen to this. By letting the grudge steal Christ from your heart. That's, that's what's going on. Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. James 5, 9. Grudge. Now, I'm going to give you another mini grudge. Grumble or murmur. Grudge not one against another. Don't murmur. Don't complain. Don't grumble about your neighbor. I'm putting it in Drew's language so you can understand it real good. Brethren, lest you be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. We don't want to be condemned. Now, if Sister Glenda was here, I couldn't say it, but I'll say it today. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. When something rises up inside of you, you know that it's not right, and it's going to murmur and complain. Shut your mouth. Stop the devil from what he's wanting to do inside of you. It's real simple. I should have said this at the beginning. I don't know anybody that's even grumbling or complaining. Okay? I don't. There is life for every one of us in the Word of God. There are answers for everyone of life's problems in the Word of God. But when we refuse to let God manifest himself through us in his word, we're selling our birthright. When we refuse to obey God's word, we're selling our birthright. God doesn't want us to be controlled by ill feelings or hatred or unforgiveness, displeasure, dissatisfaction, or disgruntlement. He doesn't want the grudge to steal Christmas or Christ from me or you. People that hold grudges and harbor bitterness are some of the saddest and miserable people on earth. Their grudges and bitterness become their main focus and occupation in life. When we hold grudges, we're bitter, and it troubles others. The grudge that leads to bitterness is contagious and spreads like an epidemic. Wow. Lord, help us. We often think that we can live our own life without affecting others. Don't we? Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know. Nobody no, nobody's going to see what I'm doing. It's behind closed doors. It's in my bedroom. Nobody knows. It's on my phone. Nobody knows. I'm preaching better than your amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bitter people affect the people around them. They do. We often think that we can live our own life without affecting others. This is not the case. This has never been the case. I can say this message to you now. Dad, your son's going to act just like you. Amen, Pastor. Mom, your daughter's following in your footsteps. Amen, Pastor. It's a good word. Bo and Erica has four little babies. They're going to mimic these two right over here. So what you see right now, you're going to see in a few years, them two right there. It's an important thing to know it's something that we ought to understand our responsibility on how we're acting. How we're being is probably a better word because if you're just acting, it's not really real. How you're being. How you're letting God be manifest through your life. They're following after you. Bitter people affect the people around them, their family, their friends, fellow employees, and those who look up to them and follow them. Absalom's bitterness towards his father David spread throughout all of Israel to the point where David had to flee because of the bitterness of his own son. 
the Bible seriously reminds us of the fact of Achan. How many remember Achan in the Bible? Remember him? He, was supposed, he wasn't supposed to take anything from Jericho. They marched around. You know, the walls fell. They went in and they took everything. But he wasn't supposed to take anything for himself. Right? Joshua 22 and 20. Did not Achan, the son of Zeroth, commit a trespass in the accursed things and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel? This one man's action and wrath fell on the whole congregation of Israel. And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. What else happened? His family was killed. It's a great example. It's something we don't, I know it's not this great, you know, hallelujah sermon right here, but it's an example we've got to realize and follow. Achan's family paid the ultimate price for his sin and were killed. And were killed right along with him. To this day, we suffer consequences of Adam and Eve's rebellion against God. Brother Andrew mentioned it earlier. The sin entered to the world through one man. And by that, we must be saved. And because of that one sin by Adam and Eve, we have to have salvation. Somebody asked this week, said, why does sick people, you know, get sick? And if, if people are going to get sick, why didn't God just heal them from the beginning? It was God's will for no one to get sick. But Adam and Eve messed it up. Pastor, you're just being mean to Adam and Eve today. I like them people. I like them people too. Because if it wouldn't have been for them, it would have been somebody else messing it up, I'm sure. We have to understand we're still paying a consequence for Adam and Eve's rebellion against God. It's a, it's a lesson that we need to learn. How you're acting, how you're behaving, there's going to be consequences for it. I say it all the time. You're leading someone to heaven or you're leading someone to hell. Where are you leading them? There's no in-between. I'm just living my life, Drew. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not affecting me. Preston, you're leading somebody to heaven or you're leading them to hell. Miss Alma, you're leading somebody to heaven or you're leading them to hell. It's that simple. Someone is following your life. I was thinking about my boys. Two older ones got with their cousins yesterday and they, they skedaddled out the door and paid or a card and our littlest, he's sitting there looking. He wanting, he's wanting to go and can't go. He's not old enough to go. But he's following after my sons. He's following after mom and daddy, yes. But we've had him so old. Now he's following after his brothers, too. We have to understand people's watching us all the time. Number four, there's a cure for grudges and bitterness. Everybody should say amen. He's getting close to the end. Amen. Hey, I didn't just take you down this path. I'm going to leave you down there. It's just all bad news. There's good news right here today. Amen? There's a cure for grudges and bitterness. If you're letting the grudge steal Christmas from your heart today, there's hope waiting for you. Hebrews shows there's two parts of the cure for a bitter heart. Look at this, Hebrews. Uh, I have the King James Version here. Hebrews 12 and 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby may many be defiled. Our part in that right there, in that scripture, is looking diligently. Looking diligently. How many has had something lost before and you had to look diligently for it? It was a shoe, it was a sock. For Shelly, it's her keys. At least once a week, they go MIA. We all have to stop what we're doing and find her keys. We have to look diligently. We cannot control experiences that can cause grudges or leads to bitterness, but we can monitor our heart's condition and humbly recognize when bitterness is starting to take root. 
Now, you're saying, Pastor, how do you do that? I understand when I'm starting to get ill feelings towards someone. I do. I understand it. That's when I wanted to take my car and just run right over them. God, I took care of them for you right there. I'm just teasing. We all know when that root of bitterness is taking over our lives. God's part in this scripture is the grace of God. I had her sing Amazing Grace today because it's because of his grace. Because of his grace covers us. Wow. I'm going to keep going. If hindering God's grace is the cause of grudges and bitterness, then allowing God's grace is the cure for grudges and bitterness. Unforgiveness. All these things wrapped up into one. We could throw them all in one thing. God's grace is the solution. Hallelujah. We truly need the inward working, the grace of God, not just to save us from hell, not just for fire insurance, but to influence our lives so that we may bring glory and honor unto him. Amen. Shelly, would you come back? To be cured from grudges and bitterness, you need to do your part by admitting that you have a problem and taking it to God in prayer. You don't have to tell me. But I'm telling you what, the church world right now is very... Uh, very much private. No one wants to let anybody know what's going on in their life. Why? Well, we'll think bad of you. That's the dumbest thing in the world. We're all sinners saved by grace. We've all did things we're embarrassed of. I said this before. If we had a little bubble, you know how cartoons do? You have a little bubble and you can see what somebody's thinking. We'd all be embarrassed if we looked around this room and seen what people was thinking right now. Everybody be envious of this green jacket and red tie, wouldn't you? Shame on you. Second Corinthians 12 and 9 says this. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I, would, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When we recognize how weak we really are, that's when his grace can take over. That's when his grace will show itself strong. Amen. I just want to say this. this I'm closing right here, but... I mentioned bitterness, and it, it means, a, a, in the Greek, a wound by piercing. Can we consider Jesus for just a minute? Let's consider Jesus. Remembering that bitterness means to wound. Do you see the bitter stripes that are on his back? Do you see the bitter nails that pierced his hands and his feet? Do you see the bitter thorns? That was placed on his head. I can hear the bitter words that is being spoken to him. Yet in spite of all this bitterness, I hear him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can I tell you that's grace? That's grace. God can give us the power to forgive what humanly is impossible for us to forgive. That's why Hebrews 12 begins with saying that Jesus is our author and finisher of our faith. Without Jesus, bitterness will overtake us. Would you stand with me? 
1 John 4, 20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, in simple terms, your brother is everyone you see. This is not, this is not making this masculine. Brother right here is boy or girl. It's whoever that you see, whoever you meet from day to day life, your family, your friends, just, just whoever you see. That he who loves God must love his brother also. Do you know when you're praying for somebody and you love them, that root of bitterness cannot grow? You can't hold a grudge. That unforgiveness has to leave. It does. If you'd bow your head today. If you're here today and God's been speaking to your heart, I want you to know that God wants you to come to him today. He wants to take that pain away, that wound, a bitterness, something happening. You didn't deserve it. But God wants you to get past it. He wants you to live your best life, and that is through Jesus Christ. If you need to make things right with God, today, right here, TFT, in this season of Christmas, this is the best time to make things right. God wants to save you. God wants to deliver you because God loves you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're dealing with any kind of unforgiveness, grudges, or bitterness, and your heart says, Pastor, I don't want to live with these things anymore, would you just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you? I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. I just want to know that someone is concerned about what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to steal Christ out of your life. Would you raise your hand? Yes. Yes, God sees them, and I see them hands. We're going to pray. God will set you free. Jesus went all the way to the cross for us. He provides an altar for us to come to him. If you're here today and you need to know Jesus as your Savior, I'm asking you today to give yourself away. Make this the best Christmas ever. Give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Give your heart to him. Let him lead you and guide you in all your ways. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, I'm asking all the saints to come around. Find yourself a place to pray. But if you need special prayer, right here in the middle, we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you, just like the Word of God says, for deliverance, for salvation, for whatever you might need in your life. Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you, Lord, that you're concerned about our souls. Lord, you give us a message on this Sunday before Christmas that's leading to Calvary and the cross. I ask you, Lord, today, Lord, that we humble ourselves before you. Lord, that we seal this word at the altar right now as we come, Father, and pray to you. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.